Welcome everyone to another episode of Trek Talk with Tech and Kirk. I'm Techman16. And I'm Techman16. And I'm Chopped Liver. I'm Strange Kirk. That's a new one. <laughs> how does that how does that feel? <laughs> Feels pretty great. Feels a little weird. I'm sure it does. Alright, who else we got up here? Batam Stargazer, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Excellent for a Sunday morning. And poor coercion. What's up, buddy? Not much. Trying to avoid going to work. Right. What do you do on a Sunday? It's work. Drop trucks. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. I'd. I'd. Yeah, I'd it never end. I'd avoid that too. You guys, I'm assuming you guys have a massive uh, uh, load, right? That you, uh, I mean, it, it keeps increasing. Yeah, we stay busy. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, for the majority of all my shipments, I use Sprinter vans. So we can get around all those DOT regulations. Yeah, that's the way to do it if you can, uh, if it fits your needs. <laughs> yeah, because we're not, we're not shipping like, Tons of pallets. We're shipping maybe one pallet at a time, so it makes no sense to go LTL. If I need to get to get it there faster, I'll just I'll just sprinter van it to its destination. And everybody else in the audience is like, "What in the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, tr- trucking is a very complicated business. So is selling organs. According to tech, you need a sprinter van. <laughs> sprinter vans. Actually, speaking of which, that is a more preferred method of moving organs. Like if you need it for a, like a, a hospital, um, you know, somebody dies and you need the organ to transplant into somebody. Um, the thing, the thing about DOT or the Department of Transportation, and poor coercion can jump in any time, is that nowadays most modern trucks are digitized, and so if you have have to take breaks at specific times and if you don't take those breaks you lose them and then you get chided over not taking your breaks oh yeah yeah um a single driver um that goes over his hours you know he could be put out of service meaning you gotta park where the hell you are so that's why uh it's common with big becoming more common with big trucks to have teams so that you can run non-stop basically Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because uh, at my building, um, there was a guy parked right in front of the dock. He's like right in front of the dock. Nobody can get in or out. And I'm like, hey, buddy, can you just move your truck? He's like, no, man, I'm on my break. Like, what the hell are you talking about? It's like, just move it 10 feet. No, 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 no I can't start the truck. <laughs> now, now, that guy's just being a douche because you can still... Uh, depending on the the de- device he has, you know, have different limits, um, and there's also legal limits. But uh, you can still move even when you're off duty, and you can do what's called a uh, personal conveyance, where it's just regular driving, but you're off duty. Yeah, he was being a dick, but but people, I don't I don't know. May- maybe he got caught one too many times doing that. Who knows? So he was just being a dick and wouldn't wouldn't move out of the driveway to the dock, <laughs> blocking all traffic. Yeah. 
This has been truck driving with Tech and Kurt. Anyways, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Strange New Worlds. The latest episode, I can't remember what it was called. But, um, you know, I just, I really miss, you know, with, with Strange New Worlds and the Orville, I just really miss kind of like classic trek trope sci-fi shows that you know the outcome is highly predictable but uh it's just it's just a joy to watch because after being treated to years of mediocre you know rip-off storylines like okay i can i can get into this show like i can really enjoy watching the the character dynamics here i can enjoy watching the storyline the plot line how it how it forms out now, for those of you that watch Strange New Worlds, we'll just kind of spoil it for you then, right here and now. Um, a child is considered the first servant of this uh, world, Magellan, whatever it's called, Majala, I can't remember the name. And he is supposed to be safely transported to the planet where he can fulfill his duty. And then little did we know his duty is to be hooked up to a machine where it drains the life force out of him and the neural energy associated with a child will power the entire city that sits in the clouds above molten lava and death and destruction. And so the, the, the society sacrifices a single child so they could live in peace and prosperity. What do you guys think of that? Uh, Those of you who, who've seen it. It's a necessary evil. I don't know. I, I think the technology they have, they probably could find another way to do it, but whatever. Yeah, in the show, they, in the show they said they, they tried for centuries to look for something else, and they couldn't find anything. I, uh, I don't know. It's kind of cool, because it, it definitely shows where the, the crew of the Enterprise loses. You know, they lost. And um, it's interesting. It's, it's nice to see, have shows like that every now and then where the good guys don't always win, so to speak. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't really know what thought-provoking, you know, I don't, I don't really know what, where they could go with that, you know, what, what sort of morality point they could teach or anything like that other than, you know, don't, don't murder children. I mean, that that's, seems pretty basic. But, I mean, the premise of the show was stupid. Um, I, uh, it's kind of a dumb episode. I mean, it was it was done, I guess, the best way you possibly can. It wasn't wasn't too terrible, but it's it's not going to be an episode that I want to revisit. It's not going to be a talking point. Um, Actually, you know what you know what episode this reminds me of? This reminds me of an old uh, Babylon Five episode where um, an alien species they have a son who's choking on their own fluids. And the doctor tells him, great, it's, it's, it's all very fixable. Just uh, uh, cut him open, drain the fluids, uh, sew his whatever thing back up, and then you're done. And the parents are like, no, 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 no. You can't do that because if you open him up, he'll lose his soul. And over the course of the episode, the doctor tries to do everything he can with other medications. But the end, in the end, he decides to defy the parents and do the surgery anyway. And so the parents were so distraught that they killed their kid saying don't do not grieve for this empty shell now so it reminds me of that episode and that you have 
you know, an intelligent individual whose future is bright only for him to be hooked up to a machine and basically die and suffer. But yeah, the thought-provoking part, I, w- I would say the thought-provoking part of this episode is um, kind of an allegory. It's like, do we let people suffer for the benefit of others? Or do we try and help help everybody? Well, it's mm. it's an interesting predicament, but the fact is, is the world isn't fair, and there are people that suffer on behalf of others all over the world. Yeah. And sure, people do what they can when they can, but the fact is, is you just can't fix everything. You can't help everybody. Yeah, people do what they can uh, as long as they can stay comfortable. Not true. You know, as long as... As long as they can still maintain their status quo, people will do what they will do what they what they can. Um, very seldom will you find someone who will actually um, put themselves uh, in harm's way, so to speak, whether you know financially or um, you know as far as security is concerned or anything like that, to to help somebody else out. So it'll be within the the, the length of their cable. You know, I, I I tend to disagree with that. I think people are more, you know, humans. We as humans are a lot more compassionate than, than we give credit for. I just think that there's never a uh, trickle-up effect where the, you know, collective good of the of the people ever trickles its way up into kind of, you know, more governmental corporate entities that want to do benefit for others. People aren't good or bad. People are people. People are opportunists, um, just like, you know, any other animal. And there are a lot of times where, you know, people will do the right thing and all this stuff. But, you know, the idea that people are mostly good is, is they're full of shit. Um, the idea that people are mostly bad is full of shit. What is good? What is bad? Um, a lot of it depends on the situation. You know what I mean? Like, it's, there's, there's too many factors. So I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think. I think that human beings are definitely opportunists, and I think that we'll help um, in so much as we can. You know, like I, I'll go out of my way to help people all the time, as long as it doesn't interfere with my family. You know, me helping someone else stops when it starts to affect my family and and my home unit. And you're going to find that's the case for pre- pretty much everyone, whether they're not, they want to admit it. Um, and a lot of people that would argue otherwise are people that don't have families and don't have children. So they, they don't quite understand what they're saying because they don't, they, they don't understand. They just don't know. Well, that's, that's a little different though. You're a parent and you have a, a, a priority obligation to your child first and foremost, and you can't put anybody else above your child. That's just a given. Well, no, no, no. What, what, what I'm saying is, is that a lot of people, there's a, there's a, there's a difference between theory and there's a difference in practice, right? Like I've, I've done both. Like in theory, I would love to do all these things. And then in practice, I've done a lot of good things for people. I've given people a couple hundred dollars out of my bank account so they could have a freaking hotel to stay at because it was below freezing. Like I've done all of these things. Um, and, but, but at the same time I did those things because I had the ability to where it did not affect me. And I've seen countless people do the same thing. And that's generally how people are. Like, people aren't going to take food out of their own mouths to give to someone else, you know, if they absolutely need it. 
And that's just kind of the way it is. It's a self-preservation thing. And a lot of people that would argue otherwise, it's, it's, it's more of a virtue signaling kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool to do nice things. Trust me, I try to help people as often as I can. But at the end of the day, people are going to make sure that they're secure first. Yeah. People generally, uh, there are a few people out there who are just ridiculously altruistic, uh, sometimes to their detriment. But generally, people are, uh, you know, as good as they can be without it negatively impacting themselves, which is still, and yes, good can be defined a lot of many ways, but, but it does still kind of allude to generally, if they're able to, people tend to be good like if it's not going to harm them or be problematic for them they'll they'll give you a hand but uh people can also be ruthlessly ridiculous especially based on religion which i don't know going back to what you're mentioning i think some of that could be the writer's attempts to illuminate that fact by showing someone else with with beliefs that aren't ours being as equally ridiculous because you know the certain religions even today will execute people who have well females specifically that have too much of it like th th there are some terrible things that 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 can happen um yeah i don't want to get too religious into it but but i think what they're trying to illuminate is that that as much as people tend to try to kind of be good and decent as long as they can be, sometimes structures that we put around them ourselves allow us to be, or even indoctrinate us to be exceptionally cruel for no no particularly good reason. That's what I that's what I meant when I said people themselves generally would want to help. It just doesn't trickle up into more established organizations. Yeah, it goes, but like, you know, it's not right. The American way is greed is good. Yeah, but, but it's fundamentally like greed actually ends up being more detrimental holistically than good. Yeah. Not, not to sound like a commie, because I don't, obviously, I don't believe in communism or whatever, but, but there's, we, we consistently, we go overboard with greed, like too much, you know, like things like, oh, deregulate. Well, Sometimes you need regulations to prevent harm in the first place rather than, sure, maybe the market would fix itself if 10,000 babies died because you put out truly horrible, you know, baby formula. But shouldn't we actually just kind of try and nip that in the bud ahead of time? Like, you know, a, a lot of people love to say nothing should be regulated, but sometimes a certain degree of regulation can be beneficial. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say nothing should be regulated. That's crazy. Have you never met a libertarian? Yeah, there's plenty of people out there with their, their made-up pipe dream bullshit. Most sensible people, libertarian or not, are going to agree that some regulation is good. It's over-regulation that's the problem. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Some of these people, they'll... They'll jump out and drive on the highway and call 911 and a fire department if their house catches on fire, but they don't think they should have to pay taxes. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I know. They drive me nuts. That's people that know better, but they're choosing to be ignorant on purpose. 
Any, anyway, sorry, Tech, we hijacked your point. That goes a little off topic, yeah. Anyways. Fuck libertarians. Fuck them all. Yeah, well. <laughs> I had to stop myself because I wanted to say a bunch of things. But anyways, going back to Star Trek here. We'll say, we'll say them for you, don't worry. No, I don't think you. Never mind. Go ahead, say it. No, feel free, man. No, spill it out, man. Just come on. Catharsis, let it out. Catharsis sounds like a sequel to a video game. <sighs> Catharsis 2, The Unburdening. <laughs> exactly. The Unburdening. Yeah. Yeah, unburden yourself, man. Just going back to Star Trek. Are there any libertarians in Star Trek? Um, I don't think so. Tech, you're a stick in the mud. What? Yeah, even the Ferengi have a very corrupt governing body. Like, I don't think Star Trek really represents libertarians. No, no, it doesn't. It was there was a throwaway line during that episode where the whatever she was, the Alora woman, she did say, "Can you honestly say that children don't suffer for the benefit of the Federation?" I was kind of thinking. I thought the Federation was a utopia. I don't think there was poverty in the Federation, but yeah, she's she was making up all those points, and I was like, the Federation is literally socialism, and it's supposed to be a working version of socialism where everybody's fed and everybody gets a piece of the pie, and you know what I mean? Well, an uncorrupt socialism. So, you know. I don't, yeah, I don't understand. Of course, this is, these are the same people who pretended that we knew everything about the Gorn, so. <laughs> so it's just another one of those, another one of those things. Or how a descendant of Khan Noonien Singh is actually on the Enterprise before they meet Khan. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, I mean, if you really start to dig into, so uh, even think about Khan, like, he supposedly rose to power during the eugenics wars in like the the late nineties or something, but but think about that's what two maybe three generations of breeding max to to create that level of superhuman. Like you'd think we would have accidentally created that somewhere with the billions of, of people by now. Like it's just there's some unrealistic timelines there as well. So they fudge a lot of things, but I still love Star Trek. I think what we're getting to is that in the original episode, Space Seed, Khan and Kirk are unaware of, you know, they're aware of Khan, but they're not aware that he was around. You know, they thought he perished, and then they found him. Oh, right, right. True. But then, but then you know, with Strange New Worlds, you have a descendant of Khan Noonien Singh serving aboard the Enterprise. And, you know, that just would have went into a moment of, like, oh, here's Khan? Get rid of him now. Don't even, don't even entertain the idea. Get rid of him. <laughs> you know, that should have been the episode space scene. Not, oh, let's entertain this man. 30 seconds of them going on to, onto the sleeper ship and them going, well, all right, target with uh, some photon torpedoes and go ahead and blow that up. That's not the, f- well, yeah, it's not the first thing they've retconned and screwed up, but. You know, that goes back to with Picard and, like, the Guinan thing, for example. Well, that that had some plausibility because it, it, it would have disrupted a time loop, right? So 
Picard had to be in the future to come back to the past to warn Guinan in the 19th century. But because of the divergence, that future never existed. So Picard never went back. We want to be all nerdy about it. They, they bungled that up too. Yes, I, I agree. So in the future, you wouldn't have known that, you know, you wouldn't have known the word 10 forward because that future never would have existed on the Enterprise D. So that when she's located at 10 forward Avenue, it wouldn't make sense. But yeah, yeah, they, they, they kind of bungled that all up. Right. I, I guess that would be a question of, okay, what, what that happened in TNG is still technically canon now that they've changed the timelines. Beca- because if you considered it all still canon, then he, he had already met Guinan still from, you know, the whole Data's head in San Francisco and all that shit. But but if if we just say oh all those all those things are no longer can then then what did Picard even actually accomplish like should he like who the fuck is he like I I don't yeah it's well he's the guy that conquered Martok's head right and all the heads of all the other people Cardassian and all that shit yeah. what I don't understand is even even if say Picard went really aggressive. And humanity was super aggressive uh, regarding all the other alien species. How could they have gone to the point where they're so aggressive and so militant that they actually could take down the entire Borg collective? That's something I never understood. That's what I was thinking. That doesn't track. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't even track with the tech. Oh, I guess, you know, because Nero's ship brought new tech earlier, maybe they advanced well, that that would be a different timeline altogether. If they were evil, they could just steal. Like, if there was no prime directive, they could just steal any technology they needed to further humanity's technology and whatnot, and superior might, whatever. So I guess that could track. But then why would Rios be still commanding the same crappy space freighter? Well, that, that part did not make sense, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe Paramount just needs to uh, do a Disney and say, uh, screw all y'all OG fans, uh, we're just doing what we want to do. I mean, they're basically kind of doing that anyway. They've kind of done that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, started, they started that years ago when they came out with Discovery. Rename FNW to uh, SOS, <laughs> the strange original series. This on Strange. All right, so here's here's what I also learned in this episode of Strange New World. We we got introduced to a whole new character, and um, I want to discuss this character because I think it's a very integral part of the show. And that character is Anson Mount's hair. Does it just me, or does the hair keep getting bigger? Like eventually he's going to need some. He, eventually he's going to need some Jerry curl juice or something. <laughs> That's that's what I was thinking. I'm like, every episode gets bigger. It's, it's, it's getting it's, pretty soon. He's gonna be Johnny Bravo, and he's gonna come flying onto the bridge. <laughs> warp, warp eight. You know, like I mean, I, I mean, it's it, it is definitely evolving, and I think pretty soon it's gonna gain sentience, and <laughs> his hair will become self-aware. It's at the very least, gonna be a good meme. The hair is how he's going to avoid his horrible future. That's exactly it. That's how he's going to be saved. 
Oh my god, if if they retcon that, that would be that would be terrible. Now, here's my thing. From what I remember, and and somebody, I'm you know I'm just getting over COVID, so I'm still a little foggy here. Um, and and I'm ashamed that I even have to ask for confirmation. But in the original series, Pike didn't fucking die. He just ended up in the fucking chair, right? Correct. Can anybody? I don't because I remember him. He was he was he was at the court martial. Yeah, they changed it around. Um, and yeah, he was in that weird metallic, like heavily enclosed chair in the original series one. I can't remember if he died at the end of that episode or not. I don't think he did. He did not. He was in the Morse code hot tub and he went to the tribunal and that was it. Yeah. No, no. What happened was uh, Pike. Well, Spock took Pike aboard the Enterprise and hijacked the Enterprise to go back to Talos Four. Oh, yeah. He brought him to Talos Force so he could actually um, live not like a crisp, not like a crispy hot dog. Exactly, because the Talosians, if they were able to re- uh, visually repair Vena, as they were unfamiliar with um, human physiology, they would they also visually repaired Pike so that Pike would live out the rest of his life with Vena. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. He never, he didn't die. So that's another thing that they changed. No, no, no. He, they never said he died. No, in Discovery, when when he was on Borath, looking at the Klingon time crystal, it showed him back in that chair with his face disfigured. You know, with the bing, bing. But he says in Strange New Worlds, he knows his death. No, no, he never says he knows his death. He knows his future. And he's going to be in an accident that will cripple him. He never talks about dying. That's true. Did he, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely taking your word for it. You're, you're, a, you're a mega nerd. He only talks about he's going to have an accident that would, you know, end your life. What, what does that mean to some people? It means dying. Other, other people feel like he's not going to be useful at all. So he's in the prime of his career, and then 10 years later, he knows he's going to end up in a chair saving a bunch of kids. Well, that, that's what's, that's what's going to happen. Either way, there's a lot of funny, there's a lot of funny things in the, that I've, there a lot of funny things in, in the show that we've seen that are sort of like moot points, right? Like, yeah, Pike, his, uh, you know, being in Starfleet ends, but we know he goes on to live and in the Telosians and all that stuff. And then we see Spock and, and to Pring fighting for their marriage, and we know that shit's gonna end anyway. Like, it's just a bunch of, like, man, if you only knew what the future holds, you'd probably calm down a bit. Right, you know, the future in the 1960s. <laughs> Your future is in the 1960s. <laughs> With big flashy red buttons and people just flipping switches randomly. <laughs> So, you know, anyway. Um, Mr. Sulu, I had Warp Factor 4. I kept it. Warp Factor 4. They really did have, they had so many blinking lights all the time. Like, how could you even, th- that's way too much. All the lights, they, they add Warp Factor to the ship, just saying. I think I was watching one of the original episodes the other, well, I wasn't watching the original episode the other day. I was watching a, um, there's a documentary called Building Star Trek. It's actually pretty decent. And um, 
they show this like you know pan this panoramic view of like they pan around the bridge of the enterprise and that whole bridge there's like two actual computer screens and they're the size of a game boy and everything else is just flashy buttons and switches (laughs) (laughs) i always found it funny how you know in modern trek you have exploding consoles and people flying all over the place and you're trying to hide in nebulas and whatever. And then you go back to, I think it was episode nine when they were fighting the Romulan vessel and they all had to be still. And then Spock turns out, a turns on a blinking light and immediately turns it off. And then the Romulan ship is like, we got their signal. Let's move. <laughs> There's a fucking there was a light bulb that went on somewhere. We know where they're at, <laughs> right? So I I I find that funny. It's like you know we've we've restored auxiliary power, and then like all the lights come on, and then you know here in the '60s it's like like one light bulb. It's like we oh we found his position in space. Attack. <laughs> we know where it is. There's a Christmas tree light that went off. You know, a couple hundred thousand kilometers away. Let's go. Well, you know, they had a really limited, they had a limited budget for that show. That show actually, that show actually did not do well when it came out. You know, it was one of those in, in syndication, in, in syndication is where Star Trek became popular. I mean, they had a big campaign in the, after season two, when they thought they were going to cancel it, they had a big campaign and people were picketing and writing letters and, you know, calling the vice president and NBC or wherever, you know, all this different shit or wherever the hell it was. I can't remember, but, uh, in CBS rather or whatever. And there was, they were just going on and on and on and on and they get their third season and that bitch flopped. And then, you know, the show was actually looked at as a failure at that time. And so it didn't gain traction until later on. And, you know, the one thing I do have to say is thank God we were able to redeem ourselves after the motion picture because that was just fucking god awful. <laughs> yes. Like, let's say, for example, everyone, you know, now everyone loves that show, of, you know, the show with a firefly or whatever, right? Everybody loves the sh- It's a great show. It wasn't, po- wasn't that popular back then. It was canceled after a season. Let's say that you were, you were given like, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do a movie. And we'll see what happens. If the movie would have performed, if they would have done the same thing, there never would there would there would be no more after that, right? If you could take any franchise, if you did that in modern times, I don't know how the hell Star Trek managed to survive after the motion picture because that was fucking abysmal. It it was. Oh man, I I did want to mention like one of the things like you were talking about with their budget though that just an anecdote that amused me was like Spock's little, you know, how you like would bend over and look into that little plastic tube view screen thing. Yeah. The entire, the entire reason they did that was because they were like, shit, we don't have budget to like show things. So he has to just, just stick his face in a tube and then he can say he's reading a computer screen. Like that's literally why that was that done that way. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, they did, they did a good job with what they had, except for the episode where they literally put on a Velcro hat on a fucking poodle or a Yorkie or whatever the fuck that was. That was terrible. But, I mean, they did a great job with what they had, um, you know, with the budget they had and what was available. Uh, so, I mean, you have to give give props to the prop folks for coming up with some good stuff because, I mean, it stuck. Um, but, 
you know, like I say, just thank God that there was somebody that was willing to give Wrath of Khan a chance. Because fuck's sake, man, I don't, I don't think we'd have anything. We wouldn't have the next generation. We wouldn't have any of this shit. Yeah, I wonder if they just showed him the script and they're like, okay, this script is pretty good, even though your last one was a total shit show. I like what I'm reading here. Because yeah, the the whole the like the voyage uh yeah, that was that was the, the motion picture was rough. It was. The, now the movies after that were good. I thought were really good. Um I wasn't a big fan of the what was it, number five? Was it number five, the one with Spock's brother or Whatever it was, where he yeah. wanted to meet God, where he wanted to meet God, or whatever, <laughs> whatever the fuck. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that one was, that was fucking lame. But it was, it was a stretch. Yeah, I mean, but two, three, and four were good. Um, you know, uh, they 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 definitely weren't bad. Um, so you know, thankfully we we were able to redeem ourselves there. Just to let you guys know, Star Trek The Motion Picture had a budget of $44 million, and it earned $139 million worldwide. So it wasn't a it, failure, per se. No, 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 no. It, it, it earned a lot of money, but we could. everybody agrees to include the people who acted, to include Leonard Nimoy, who was saying the entire time that I, I was trying to find a connection with Spock in that movie, and I couldn't. Um, you know, everybody says it was a shit movie so how it did what it did is fucking beyond me doesn't matter people were starved for for more star trek content especially in the 70s when when it took off i think i think the very similar thing is what we're seeing happen to halo people are so desperate for content that they're 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 overlooking so many terrible things oh that tv show is pretty good Oh, yeah, your face is pretty good. Shut the fuck up. So, uh, you know, they're over, they're overlooking so many things because it's like, I don't care. At least we have something. You know, I'm just like, you, like the, to use text phrase, you're just so starved for content that you're just like, what? Something new? I don't care. I don't care. What, it's made but with claymation? Cool. That's great. It sounds great. That's where I draw the line. Claymation? Yeah. Actually, that would be. Can you imagine a Star Trek like in the style of Celebrity Deathmatch? Didn't Robot Chicken do that? Yeah, they did. Didn't the original series do that? I mean, Kirk fighting the Gorn was practically Claymation. <laughs> can you imagine the swamp ass, whoever that was, was in the Gorn costume hat? Oh, God. Yeah. Because out in the California. De- uh, no, thank you. Fucking. Fuck's sake, man. That was rough. Anyway, Strat, you're up here. What's up, man? What do you got to say? Hey, thanks for having me up here. Um, I was just going to say, um, the original Star Trek, they actually, um, it was originally with Desi Lu Productions, because they, they saw, uh, it was Desi um, Arnaz and um, and uh, Lucille Ball who did that, and because they saw more in syndication when they originally backed it, because they knew it would take off in syndication. And um, Star Trek The Motion Picture was actually supposed to be a series reboot with Star Trek called Star Trek II originally. And between all that, a lot of people forget there's also Star Trek The Animated Series, which was in the early 70s, but the most of the original cast that kind of carried over a lot of that stuff through that void, I guess you'd say, 
um, which kind of carried over Star Trek into allowing it to continue. Because um, it's not like, I don't think if it was just the 60s and then they, then they go 10 years later and say, okay, let's make a movie. I don't think it ever would have survived. The animated series, I actually was, uh, I actually enjoy the animated series, which is probably a little strange to some people, but I actually enjoy it just because of how outrageous it is. You know, you got cat people on the bridge and plants and 50 foot tall Spock and it's, uh, I don't know. It was so outrageous. It was definitely, it definitely reminded me of the yellow submarine or something. <laughs> uh, we're glad it happened because now we have all this Star Trek content to talk about. Yeah, from from what I've heard, the animated series was actually fairly popular when it was running. It was only like thirteen episodes, was it not? Well, there was you had we had one season, and there's season two. There's like six episodes, and then it stops. Survey says you're right. Two, yeah, sixteen episodes in the first season, six six episodes in the second season. Must have not done that well. Yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> It just, yeah, everybody, as we discussed, everybody was, was on acid when they were, when they were writing the... Oh, 100%, dude. Late 60s, early 70s. Everybody was on the same drugs, man. That's why all the cartoons looked the same. Everybody was whacked up out of their mind. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Orville, um, for those of you who watched it. So, a uh, recap of this episode, um, episode two. It was more of a, I guess you could call it a horror, a horror episode. Admiral Christie, who is a chief negotiator, comes on board to negotiate a deal with the Krill to use their passage so they could get into unexplored space. This Admiral Christie used to be married to Dr. Finn over 25 years ago. And... Uh, they actually make an in-universe joke about um, this Kalar expanse uh, past the Krill space where the Krill warned them, saying you don't want to enter there because that's where was it souls get sucked out of you and they're filled with unholy demons. To which the crew of uh, the Orville respond with, okay, they're just crazy religious nuts. So let's just go explore anyway. Um, so they, they visit the Kalar expanse. And they find uh, that it's a void without any stars. Um, and they realize that uh, there's only one piece of, you know, it's like a space station. And it accepts things in there. And then the uh, this, this microbacterial spores start turning the crew into these bug-like creatures. And eventually these bug-like creatures are you know, expelled from the ship. The main one that was infected was Dr. Admiral Christie. Uh, anyways, it was just a, it was just a horror episode. I wasn't necessarily a fan of it, but um, the writer for the episode was Brandon Braga, as everybody knows, the uh, co-producer of a bunch of Star Trek shows. And it reminded me of the episode in which Picard comes back to the ship and Barkley's virus turns everybody back into, you know, they de devolve. So it kind of reminds me of that episode where they had to hide from Worf, but it was more like a, uh, a ship full of Worfs. What do you think about it, poor coercion? 
I thought it was okay. I didn't hate it. It it struck again one of the things I hate about uh, modern uh, TV and film is that the dark scenes are so freaking dark, literally. Like, unless I'm in a dark room, I have trouble seeing it. It, it was interesting that uh, when the situation reached ahead, the captain was like, uh, screw it, kill the aliens. <laughs> and then the other crew was like, wait, those used to be our crew members. No, screw it, kill them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 very different. You wouldn't. Uh, although I could see Picard giving that order, I don't see all the other captains giving that order. Well, maybe Janeway. Janeway would make it that order too. It, it it was interesting that there was no resolution to them being turned and trying to turn them back. You know what I think is I I really hope to believe that this is kind of a a plot point that will be used later on. Yeah, it's definitely a setup for uh, these. This is going to be the overarching uh, nemesis for this season, mostly. No, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. The Kalon are still the overarching nemesis. They could uh, turn out to be something worse. It, you're you're potentially right, but I yeah you you know I I hope I hope to believe that you know the thing is. Um, there's only two directors for this entire season. It's John John Kassar and, and Seth MacFarlane. So I think there's going to be an incredible amount of continuity throughout this entire season. So I, I'm pretty sure they will show up again. Yeah, yeah. I agree. They, they will show up again, definitely. You know what I had fun with? I had fun with the interaction with uh, Admiral Christie and, and Isaac. About <laughs> yeah. Dr. Freeman. Yeah, that scene was hilarious. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, they're talking about Dr. Finn. And Isaac is so matter-of-fact, you know, being a robot. It's like, her recreational activities include dancing, fine dining, sexual relations. Her favorite positions are, okay, okay Isaac, I get it. I get it. <laughs> 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 That's too funny. I... Yeah, that part was great. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, if I had to nitpick, it's like, why did you go on to a space station with no environmental suits so that you could be sprayed with this, you know, sprayed with this nanovirus? And, you know, why didn't you try to isolate it way back when? And, you know, all these all these other things that are not protocol. But, you know, it's it's expected sci-fi. Like, I... I've expected it. This is a. It's uh. It was supposed. It was supposed to be a horror show. It was supposed to shock you. Um. And I was okay with that. But it wasn't the best. I think. I think their season one episode was much better than. So I'm. I'm hoping for season three or uh, episode three rather. Yeah. No, I'm. It's. It's still good. I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh. uh to more. I just got to remember that it, it's out on Wednesdays now. <laughs> Is it? I thought it was out on Thursdays. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're releasing it on Wednesdays. I, I could be wrong. Let's check. Season three. Um, June 9th. That was a that was a Thursday. Yeah, that was okay. a Thursday. So they are releasing it on Thursdays. 
But uh, what do you, you know, I've asked this before, but what do you think about the runtime? Because the runtime is like an hour and ten minutes an episode. It's like way more than than other other shows. I'm for, I'm all for it. Cause it's actually a good show. It keeps me interested, pretty much interested the whole you know the whole time. Uh, I don't have the attention span problem of Discovery fans. <laughs> and not everything is hyper emotional. Yes. It's like plot first. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just overall a well-done show. It, it always has been. You know, I've always found it very interesting. Back in the 60s, uh, Star Trek, the original series, was always, you know, 50 minutes, 52 minutes, because the commercial time was uh, a lot less. And then as you got into the 90s, all the shows were about 43-minute run times, 44-minute run times. So just to see a show that's an hour and nine-minute runtime compared to 40 i mean that's significant i mean that's 20 extra minutes worth of content that you've got to fill and it's not you know from for for people that don't know i mean that's that's a lot of time to fill in because you know i think the ratio is like three to one maybe four to one so for every 20 minutes you got to film like 80 to 100 minutes worth of content because you got to cut it down so that's um that's a lot you know that's that's a lot of extra work so i commend the staff to getting that done in, in a way that you're right, holds your attention. Like it's just, I, I keep wanting to see what happens. Yeah. And I get the feeling that uh, uh, for the uh, cast and crew, that it's a labor of love for them also. So they enjoy what they do. Did you know that um, Scott Grimes, who plays uh, uh, Ed Malloy, He's actually the voice of Steve Smith on American Dad. <laughs> nope. I didn't know. I did, not know. I did not know that. Speaking of Malloy, was it this episode or was it the uh, last one where they got their new little fighter? That was the first one. That was one of the uh, one of the things about that episode that just blew my mind because uh, they take it out for a test run and they're doing it in and around the their space dock area. Yeah, right. It's like, whoa, what the hell? Get in distance, get clear. And it, it was so weird because, you know, he like the best pilot in the fleet, right? right? Like the absolute best. And of these drones that could do the exact same thing that he can do. But you can do it from the from the comfort of your own ship. I'm like, why why do you still need pilots? Yeah. But, you know, it's like, it's a cool toy. Let's try it out. Well, if if you recall, though, in the Oroville, they do things for the enjoyment of it. They make, they make a point of portraying it how humans really would be. So the reason they have ships like that that you can fly yourself is because that's what real people would do, because they would want to experience it themselves. Sure. Sure, understandable. And that's why. In my opinion. Yeah, and not talking about it, uh, I think that ship might be a plot point, kind of like the Delta Flyer was for Voyager. You know, have, have many subplots revolving around it. 
we'll see. Even though it's like a one one seat fighter. I don't know. They had to have thrown that in there for some reason. Right? I'm I'm sure it'll be used later on. I'm sure it'll be a plot point. That's that's why they introduced these concepts. All right, let's bring Boom back in here, and then we can talk a little STFC. All right, Boom. You can talk STFC now. Bitch, feel free to bitch away. The floor is yours. <laughs> well, oh, man. So I have... My complaint is expansive. I'm just... Everybody, of course, is frustrated with the new arc. Like, there's not... As much as it is cool, the hollow deck uh, being able to redo some of the the mission stuff that people may have missed, I feel like that was a long time coming and and a, a good win. But I have like the research stuff really bugs me, and not necessarily as much because of what other people may have mentioned. You know, just in terms of how weak some of the the research is and, and for its cost, I really look at it just as What's frustrating me with the game lately is I'm getting a little tired of the way that they continually, you know, they, they push you to interact and they push you to, to make these purchases and to accrue these resources. And then they constantly try to punish you for it, which is not really punish you for it, but in order to make more money, they keep adding these new... Uh, new currencies? E-currency. God, yeah, I was blanking on that. These new currencies so that oh, great, you know, I've saved up and I have, you know, over a trillion dilithium. Well, we don't want you to actually complete these researches unless you buy new stuff. So we're going to add in rodinium, just this, you know, random thing in, in order to gate you. But but part of it, it, it gets worse than that, even to a degree. I feel like they're just ignoring the second order consequences of a lot of the things that they're doing. Take, for example, the, the last arc, the the um you know the lower deck stuff specifically actually like that that stuff could be cool and potentially fun to play with like you, you know changing your officers around and stuff except i can't do it and people my level really can't do a lot of that because you take okay so i've, I've built the sanctus i've hit 57 like i don't push crazy amounts of money like someone like inco but I still spend what a lot of people would consider an insane amount of money on this game. And yet, for me to move my Sanctus from where it is right now at Tier 4 to Tier 7 would cost me another, uh, and I did fully do the math on this, $11,200. Why does that matter? Well, because the fifth slot that you can get on the Sanctus doesn't come until Tier 7. And in order to hit just the minimum required stats to get the the six hundred percent boost, it takes the three officer slots up top plus the the three that you have currently open below. So for me to even touch using lower deck officers in any of the ships that I use for their lower deck abilities, I either have to to make a significant negative uh, detrimental impact that they can't overcome by by dropping my percentage boost down from 600 to like 540 on the ship or i have to spend like you you ask an average person like oh hey do you want to drop 11,200 bucks this month in order to to boost that ship up so that you can use some of these lower deck officers that they just released 
most people are gonna say go fuck yourself <laughs> like that, that that's an insane to me at least it, it, it's an insane ask whether or not i actually have the funds to do it it's just a ridiculous everybody can agree it was a huge oversight it was implemented very poorly they should have added like some kind of lower deck slots that are separate from lower deck officer slots i don't know something yeah so something but but so so month after month now it you know, I I do still actually kind of enjoy the game as much as as I'm I'm bitching about it. Like I still like lock, but but not a hundred percent for the game. Is is for talking with my alliance mates. It's for you know hunting reds and and or you know supporting them doing armadas and stuff. Just kind of the fun interaction there. But man, as far as the game, I feel like for several arcs now they have really just missed it spot after spot. Even the Cerritos itself. Like it's a cool idea and it's fun and niche, but but are you really like having that? So sure, it, it boosts you for PvP, for example. Are you taking your Cerritos around with you everywhere you go in case you need to boost yourself real quick for PvP? Since the boost only lasts a few minutes, um, you know, no. Plus, it it lacks the range in a lot of cases. Like the the actual times that you use it, maybe for when you move your station somewhere in order to do some hostile grinding. But even then, it kind of the cost for the resource versus what you can produce, etc. It's not like it, it's almost designed to be niche for doing PvP because you're not going to care as much about hostile grinding with it. But it's very difficult to use it in a PvP implementation. Like I just I feel like they are really not looking at and designing the game for the people playing it at this point um that they're coming up with these ideas in a vacuum with no real idea how they work in the in the real world and that that's my real gripe it's it's they keep on just implementing these things to get more money but they're not even making the things interesting or practical at this point which is resulted in me spending a lot less money and i kind of hope other people are spending less too maybe they'll then you know get it through their fucking heads that they need to take a better look at it and, and i don't know may, maybe it's just me and other people ha have a different but but honestly that's been my feel for months now that they're just designing stuff kind of in a vacuum in a box with no real practical view on gameplay itself I could agree with that. Yeah, don't. I also noticed that in the past, however many arcs, is that when they release the research, all the research cheapens all the research that you have done previously because it's just an additive function. And so if you spent a lot of money or a lot of time or a lot of resources on previous research, all the new research is just going to cheapen everything you've already done. Not only that, it cheapens the new research as well. It's all dilution. Yeah, it's diminishing returns across the board. And especially with this latest stuff, um, I want to say I saw something from, I think, DJs or something that was kind of talking about it. But the, the amount of cost to buy the new stuff versus how it is diminish, diminishing returns versus what you already have, that it was something like a, he said, like a 40,000% increase you know, basically kind of point for point across what you would have purchased previously. So like the, just the return on investment is 
so abysmal in comparison. Like, I just, I, I really don't understand other than cash. Like, t- to me, it just makes it, and we we know that Scopely, obviously, and any business technically is going to be about making money, but it just looks at this point like it's become more and more. We're not even going to bother to to make the game development have actually make the game interesting we are literally just going to drop in gates and new currencies to make you spend and that that's all we're doing like we're rehashing the same research and everything we we don't even give a shit like just slap it in there and ask you to pay a bunch of money to get it yep and it's crazy too because uh they haven't been shy that uh they make most of their money off of whales what are they going to do when they piss all the whales off and they're, they got to try to make money from the rest of us? Well, I've heard from a certain somebody on a very busy early server that there's a huge exodus of level 52 plus players that are planning to quit the game at the same time. Yeah, I know just in, in my my group, uh, which... You know, we only have like maybe 10, 52 plus people to begin with. And, and I know of at least four that have basically said they're done spending. Um, a couple of them, you know, we're talking 57, uh, level 57 plus. So, like, it, these are these, these are relatively significant spenders. And they're saying they're, they're not fully walking away yet. But I have seen how they've literally stopped spending and, and we're talking guys that you know w- would drop four or five grand a month and, and now you see when you look at oh you know that uh that the little items from alliance members having purchased stuff they're just gone from the list period and that that is just diminished so much in terms of across the board like i used to log in every day and i'd have you know there'd be like 99 plus and you'd have to go through. And now I'm seeing I'll get like three, five, like people are not spending, um, which, which again is to me, hopefully a good thing. If, if Scopely can, can write the ship. But one of the concerns is that, you know, we we've been telling them so long about some of these things. And I'm really concerned that they've taken so long to, to really acknowledge and, Again, they haven't yet, but but even if they start at this point, they may have disenfranchised enough people and, and had them leave that they're actually past a point of recovery in terms of getting that, that money back, at which point any sort of future development on the game is going to just come to a grinding halt. Uh, same with fixes for a lot of the current issues that they've introduced with all these ham-fisted additions they've made. Absolutely. I've got, I mean, I've got one player, he was level, he's level 43. And I guess, uh, he spent quite a bit on that one, uh, event they put up and then took down and he, he messaged him about it and, and uh, they said, uh, oh, well, and he has, he put a seven day shield up and hasn't been back. And I don't know if he's going to come back because he's ticked. Yeah. Th- their customer service is a whole other thing too. Like, I don't I don't recall if I mentioned it or not, but I, I took my spin to a pretty grinding halt over them screwing me out of basically like 
one pack because I, you know, I made the mistake. I accidentally during the Cerritos arc, I didn't want to buy the full uh, unlock. I wanted to do the $20 one and I was actually going to buy the Cerritos itself though, but I screwed up and just bought the hundred dollar unlock. And, and then I didn't click on the thing or anything to, to get any of the, the battle pass stuff. I messaged them immediately and said, Hey, I selected the wrong one, whatever, you know, can you, and, and they just refused to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, considering the amount of money I've spent and the fact that this is a Boolean value in, in a table and you just, you refuse to assist me. It's like, uh, I'm done with you. Like there's only so much of, of being an asshole to your customers that you can get away with before they're going to turn on you. Yep. But uh, just the design in general, man. I, my my concern really is that they have they have waited so long, and again, at, at this point, they still haven't even done anything to start fix it. But even if they started fixing it today, I'm concerned that it would be too little, too late, and a lot of those people have moved on, and they're not necessarily going to come back. And and so yes, wh- where are you going to get your money from at that point? And where is specifically in order to continue to make the improvements that you honestly need to do in the game? Exactly, because yeah. he he was a very big spender, very big. He said they're not getting they're not going to get no more money from me. He said I said okie dokie. Exactly, and there are still cool things they could do with this game to make it more interesting, to make it the PvP more engaging. Yeah, I've talked about removing punitive measures from PvP, etc., so that people get more into it because it's not as negative a detriment. Like, give them in those events enough to cover their repairs. Don't subtract points when they die, but don't give them a PvE option. So it forces PvP, which a lot of people, there's a lot of people even in my alliance that didn't really like PvP until they had to because we went to war and then found that they liked it. Like, you, you can get that from people. And then they can start to, you know, go down that route and, and do interesting things like have notifications pop up when an enemy enters the system you're in, for example. You know, somebody that your alliance is marked uh, as an enemy. Uh, because, you know, that would be more real world to like Star Trek anyway. Like, unless they were cloaked, they always knew when when a ship was inbound. Like, you have sensors and stuff because... One of the complaints that some people do have is the whole like, okay, you can sneak right up next to a ship and then pop it, you know, if you're happen to be looking at your research, stuff like that. But if you got a warning pop up instead of for the attack, just, hey, an enemy's entered the system, that would also cause people to, you know, drop back out of whatever they were doing and look at the system and, and engage in PvP. So they'd get more PvP there. And again, like PvP and conflict is one of the big ways that that they used to make money until they started adding all these additional ridiculous currencies that they're trying to fucking monetize off of. Um, if they made the game more interesting PvP-wise, though, I really think that they a lot more people would play more. They'd have more interaction, and they'd make more sales because people want to boost their ships. But there's just a lot of interesting things they could go down that route doing instead of adding these these stupid and relatively useless things like a, a Cerritos that is kind of impractical to use as much as it's an interesting idea or lower deck officers that are again in G4 and G5 
semi-impractical to use unless you've you've pushed pretty deep into that those arenas uh new research trees that that are just total you know pieces of shit frankly like you know and, and again lots of other content creators have covered the why on that so we don't have to necessarily dive deep into that but but i just feel that that the the core issue is that game design they are really not designing for the active player base and yeah i i don't know if other people agree and if they do well uh, go yell at other people to yell at scopely i constantly yell at scopely but if nobody else does nobody's gonna care I guess people have learned their message. They have to yell at Scopely. So yell at Scopely. Go yell now. Actually, I, I hate their um, new customer service feature. It sucks. Oh, oh yeah, that thing is awful. It's, it's just another attempt to try to, uh, you know, not deal with people. Like, just give me your money and go away. Like, I don't even want to have to service you in any way, Like, it, which is infuriating. It's 100% the Scopely way, but how do other people really feel about just the game design in general? So obviously, basically everybody knows that in this arc, the new research stuff sucks, but I don't know. Am I just coming at this from a negative space and other people think some of this stuff has been really cool and fun or, or does nobody even want to talk about this shit? <laughs> <laughs> No, there's a reason why, like, I've been looking, I've been, I've been actively searching for months for, like, a new game with some social, with the, where I still can get some social interaction, you know, and I can still sort of have that, you know, community, you kind of, that sense of community, um, without the, the, the other bullshit that comes along with it, you know, having to spend a, you know, a bajillion dollars just to be able to be somewhat competitive and uh it's it's really hard to find i mean like I've, I've recently started playing the new diablo game but i mean that's that's another you know you pay money you get better shit um but you there there's definitely something there um there's definitely something there i don't know if it's going to be something that i can latch on to but like for example, I've this arc. I don't. I just. I don't really play. It's just when I log in, it's depressing. I see all those things, and it's. I log in. I see all these buttons I have to mash, and you know, it's to the point where I don't even want to hit the refine button. I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't even want to push buttons in the game. Like I log in and I try my best to do the events, but it's gotten to the point now where I log in and I look at the events and like my stomach turns and I'm like, ugh fuck it's just it's not even fun anymore and so many people are i feel like are staying with the game because it's well i've already spent all this amount of money or you know it's it's what i know and it's what i'm used to i've been doing it for a long time so i'll just do it and i'll do it you know for another six months or whatever the case may be and i mean it's just not fun anymore it's really not it's just it's monotony and there's no community that's worth putting myself through that anymore. See, I, like, I'm 50-50 with you there, because for me at least, still currently, it is, it's fun despite 
the game design. So it's, it's fun because we still have some conflicts going, etc. They're, they're not necessarily, but but I can still, you know, I we can chat with people, uh, you know, and hunt, and you know, plan on territory evictions, and so so like there's still an engaging and fun social part there. Um, we and I guess that's kind of game design, but I mean that's that's game design from ages ago. You know, just being able to mark someone enemy, and then even territory is pretty old at this point. Um, although territory eviction is just kind of a side symptom of of having a conflict, but but really, so to me, it's, it's getting on, and we start to do the hunting, and then just shooting the shit and, and chat that sort of thing is what makes it fun. The gameplay is just kind of secondary, but but they could make it so much more like it could be better. It could be more interesting. Like instead of the game part itself being a drag of oh fuck, I gotta go if I want to get these resources i need to grind those hostels or do the like that part which is really not fun they could they could try to lessen a little bit and they could make it more re- rewarding to be a little bit more interactive even a little more pvp based as i said because i think this game would be better with a, a little more pvp focus you know that that could just be my take but still yeah but dude, you're you're also the the thing is is when you start talking about pvp focused you have the haves and the have-nots. The haves spend a shit ton of money, and the have-nots don't. And there's some have-nots that actually are quite wealthy. They just refuse to spend money on a fucking mobile game, and I commend them for it. Oh, right, right, right. Smarter than me. But what what, what I'm saying is, is it doesn't matter. It's always stacked in, you know, in, in the favor of someone who's spent a lot of money. This is why I don't PvP anymore. You know, this is, I mean, this is one of the main reasons why I don't. You know, I was I was in the top 60 when I was spending money, I stopped spending money. Now I'm probably pushing 300th. Um, I'm not competitive as far as fighting anyone. Um, I mean, so the thing is, is that we can talk about, I I guess the point that I'm going to make is that we can talk about what they could do, but we know that they're not, and they never will. It's always going to be the same thing. So at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, are you okay with doing the same shit every day? And every new arc is going to be some more of the same. Um, or are you at the point where you're ready to move on and find something else? Because that's that's the only question. They're never going to change the model. They're never going to do anything different. They never have and they never will. So that's that's what we're sort of like relegated to, right? Like Maybe. I, I haven't given up hope yet. And what I mean by that is, you're right, that's how it has always been. But people are hitting that point of being so fed up they'll either accept that it's not working anymore and they have to update the model, or maybe they'll just say, okay, we got the money we could out of this. We'll just let it, you know, die out and and call it a day and not invest anything in it, which there's a realistic chance. That's what they do. Well, I'll tell you the same, the same people that have been spending money are the same people who are still spending money. They can bitch, they get, you know, they can bitch over here, but over here they're still spending money because I see the Alliance gifts and I see People, I see the same people who are saying this is stupid and that's stupid. I see the same people, they're still spending money. So as long as you continue to spend money, they're not going to change anything. And people are going to continue to spend money. It's not going to stop. The people that I've talked to that are complaining about content have stopped spending. And the people that really don't complain about the content are still spending. But I've noticed the opposite, personally. I've noticed just a drastic drop overall in alliance spending. Like the alliance gifts have is dropped sharply, especially with this arc. But it had been trailing downward a bit. 
I, I did also want to interject real quick, like the 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 level thing uh, and PvP. I have a thirty-seven alt, um, which some people might say is crazy, but I, I have a thirty-seven alt that I PvP with, and and I have good fun with that too. Even though, yeah, some some people will smack the shit out of it, but I still I hunt who I can hit with it, and then you know I try to kind of evade those i can't because i i find even that entertaining I, I for me pvp i don't always have to be the the top dog to have fun with it so i don't know like it can depend for for be you know who you are like now obviously if if uh obviously yes like my my level 57 account there's really nobody on the server that i can't handle and, and so i know i can always go back to that so maybe i don't experience the same frustration as some some others might who don't have that option to to get into a big account and no longer be manhandled by some someone with a grudge or whatever but uh, i don't know it's it's i i still have fun with the pvp regardless of which which account i'm playing and i still have fun with the pvp in general I mean, and, and it's not not to say that people still can't have fun with the game, but that that's why I say that's why I presented. You know what the formula is? It's the same formula that they're using and that they've they've been using that they're going to continue to use. So the real question is: Is are you okay with that? Because that's what your foreseeable future is. And for me, it's it's gotten to the point where it's just it's it's not it's not even fun anymore. It's just the same thing. There's no difference the the missions aren't the, all the missions aren't it's all new missions there's nothing new about it you go to a system you click a button you give somebody some resources or you fight a ship or and then recall to your station it's the same formula over and over and over and over again and if people are okay with that then that's fine like for example me uh, my wife and i we we play the pokemon games it's pretty much well they've actually they actually have changed the formula quite a bit over the past couple games but it's basically the same formula. You start out with nothing. You build up your, you know, your creatures or whatever. You go around and collect the the, the things, and you get to the end of the game, and you beat the big boss, and you finish the game. And then you go back and try to collect all the the pocket monsters. Like it's the same formula, and we enjoy that. We enjoy that because every new iteration, it's a new place. You know, there's new things to see. There's some different items, so there's enough difference to 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 make it interesting for us and if people in very similar to this game if every arc people are okay they're okay with the exact same formula but just the faces and the items have changed then there's nothing wrong with that if people like what they like you know but i think for in my opinion for us to think that they're going to do any different um i think is, is is silly in my opinion could they i mean i don't know i'm not the i, I can't can't predict the future, but it's been the same story month after month, year after year. And I, I, I just, I personally don't think it's going to change. And I know I'm not alone in that. I think it's less likely that they won't change than they will, or at least by the time it does change, it'll be like a, another year and they'll have let out so many players and it'll almost be indistinguishable from the game it is today. But, but I haven't, I have not 100% just written it off as they absolutely won't because they do have the, because of the IP Star Trek, like there are people that love it. And so if, 
they if enough people voice frustration and stop spending they could realistically in order to milk that ip for more value take a long hard look at what they're doing and make some changes and i'm still hopeful that they do i'm not saying it is likely i'm just i think the difference is that i i between what you're saying and what i'm saying is i basically agree with you 100 percent, except i just haven't given up yet i would i would argue that what we're seeing and, and handy and you you and handy said you've seen different than me and that's and i, I understand that and that's fine um but one thing that we're also we need to keep into account and in for the interest of of, of of science right we're talking about scientific data is that our sample size is is very small it's just the servers that we play on also for example our server is a bit of an older server so our server being as old as it is you have people that have been playing for a while and sometimes people just get sick of playing a game you know you got people out there that played freaking world of warcraft for years and one day they woke up and they were like i don't feel like logging on today and that was the beginning of the end and so what happens is the longer some you know you have a group of people engaged in something the more likely it is that people are going to fall off so how much of that is people actually being upset at the content and how much of it is them saying they're upset at the content but really in actuality the real reason they're stopped spending money is because they're kind of outgrowing the game so we don't know and what's going on on other servers are they spending money are the younger servers hitting that stride where they're starting to spend money because we know every server has a particular point in time where they kind of that spending starts to pick up based on the, the 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 average level of your player right so oh for sure what what is it looking like all over? Because you may have other other places that are spending fucking hella money. You know, they might be where, where we're dropping off. They're picking up the slack and starting to spend even more money. Yeah. You know, we even see that in our we see that in our servers when some of our big spenders start slacking off. And all of a sudden you get some guy who used to kick the shit out of back in the day. And now all of a sudden he's like 10 levels higher than me, you know. Um, so, you know, we, we, we see that as well. So. Who's to say? But like you say, I mean, it, you don't want to give up hope because, yeah, it is Star Trek's a huge name. And, you know, it's obviously a good cash cow, but I'd really be interested to see what their numbers are. Because Lord knows they made a shit ton during COVID. But now um, I'd, I'd be really interested to see what the revenue is now because I just, to me, I just don't see it. I think people are spending more now than they did during COVID. That's what I see. Handy, I actually agree with you. Um, I think that now, because you know everybody's back to work and they got all the money to spend, now they can play catch up. Now I can finally get that enterprise A. Now I can finally get, you know, whatever the case may be. So um, I might be with you on that one. I, I could definitely see that being the case. Yeah, I mean, I on the 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 private uh, VIP server, whatever the fuck they call it. I, I actually asked around a bit i just wanted to get the the feel from other people what they were saying and, and i imagine because there is a lot of negativity that was there that there's certainly some bias in the answering but a lot of people were telling me that they've seen a pretty significant reduction in spend by the way of alliance gifts and stuff uh in their alliances and so I, I I honestly really hope that Scopely's taken it in the shorts this month monetarily for this this property, so that they have to take a long 
hard look because the one thing that we can say is you're right most of the time people just kept spending like so a lot of the this this stuff when they've made you know big mistakes or or put out shitty arcs and stuff they still made decent money because people just wanted to spend wanted to play whatever um but the, there was there's been a lot of frustration voice with this one and a lot of people are at least claiming that they're not spending and my the personal what, what i can actually for sure see has been at least in in my alliance a reduction in spend i just i don't know if that's truly universal or not but but i hope they're taking it in the fucking shorts i, w- I wonder we don't have anybody from a very new server do we no, I don't think so. Mine, my server is uh, around a year and a half old. Okay, do you, what do you see? Poor coercion. Do you do you see a reduction in spend or stay the same or what's the deal? It seems to be roughly the same on my server. Um, I don't know. We have a three fifties or you know forty seven to fifties. You're still level capped, right? At fifty? We're still level capped. Okay. Um it, it was late last year that they uh Are you capped at thirty thirty nine or or is that open? And they opened that like last year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Madam Stargazer? What about on your server? You're still capped at fifty, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're capped at 50. We've got one player that's 49. Um, but uh, our spending has, has dropped quite a bit, at least in my, in my alliance, I know. Because we, we lost, uh, well, like a, that one player that's 43, he, he, he's not been on all week. Um, and I have another player that's like 42, and he's been gone for a month. So, you know, those were my big spenders. Uh, I mean, I, we still get, I mean, I've gotten, I've gotten some, you know, people are getting the, the $20 packs and stuff like that for Amadas and stuff like that, but not, not near as what we normally have done. And see, I think a lot of the uh, spending I'm seeing is, uh, like Gerald was saying about hitting a stride of spending, is uh, my alliance has a lot of mid-30s, and I think those are guys, what I'm seeing is guys that are starting to spend. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's about that's about when I started. I think when I started picking up my uh, spending was right about the time I started getting around to like the epic ships uh, and just a little bit above that. Because then it was well, now I can unlock it, but it's really weak. I need to get it to tier four or five or what? You know, just a couple hundred bucks won't hurt. And next thing you know, fucking <laughs> next thing you know, I got you know all the epic ships for no reason. Uh, well, hell, for me, it's it's more than a couple hundred bucks just to go from uh, tier four to tier five. I need a uh, six thousand ore for my. It's just and to max, it's just I don't know. You haven't gone to T six to T seven, have you? Like one of the components is like eight thousand for gas or crystal or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's what the discounts back in the day before they had all the discounts. It was twelve thousand. No. Yeah. Yeah. And man, that was such a slap in the face. Like, holy sh! But spent it, dude. My my freaking 
my my auger's still tier seven because I'm still saving up the ore. Now, granted, once I got my um, once I got my Valdor, I stopped prioritizing my G three. I mean that that it it should be maxed out, but I stopped prioritizing it and I use that shit for like research and other stuff. But still, like with all the research done that I have done, it's still like friggin' almost four thousand ore just for a fucking cargo bay, you know. So. <clears throat> I mean, and I can understand that uh, back in the day, G3 was the top, but now we have G5, and uh, they'll probably come out with G6 end of this year, sometime next year. Uh, they have a uh, uh, screwed up idea of what our advancement should be. Well... I don't know how much more you can fucking squeeze into this game. Can you imagine G6? Like, what the cost would be? The amount of what you have to do... You know, it's so funny. The amount of time that you spend daily in this game, just in one day... You could progress leaps and bounds in any real, and I use the term real video game, like, you know, you go out, you buy a disc or a cartridge or whatever. In any actual video game, you would actually, you, you would progress so far, but this is, that's just to operate. That's just normal daily operations. That's not even really that much progression. And it's just. I think, I think what Star Trek Fleet Command suffers from now is that there's lack of meaningful engaging pve content yeah anymore right because everything gets increased with every new level everything gets increased right you're at a higher level you need to hit a higher hostiles same dailies same everything there's nothing meaningful like you know you brought up pokemon pokemon's engaging i mean it's it's not that yeah it's monotonous in that you have to fight the gyms and you have to do these trades and you have to gain Pokemon and gain flutes and things and Snorlax and whatnot, Pseudo-Ludos and whatever. But the, the, the point is, it's it's variable. It's variable enough where it's RPG and you play it how you want to play it in the order that you want to play it. There's nothing engaging like that in Star Trek Fleet Command anymore. But But they could do it is the crazy thing. Like, they could actually implement systems where you could you know do like retraining for your officers and shift their stats slightly if you wanted like not not you know they can't imbalance it too much but like you could kind of you know key things a little bit this way or that way you could they could even implement things where where stuff like your ships like where you could retrofit and you know take out certain type of weaponry to, to put like maybe you want to go for all kinetic on on x ship and you you can't necessarily fundamentally change you know the the damage output that it might have but but with the way you're doing your officers on that ship you know it's a little bit like and, and as much as certain people will figure out i i know for they'll figure out ways to game it a little bit it'll still it, it makes it fun for people to spend the time figuring out all these little intricate th- changes that they could make and details that they could modify, uh, you know, make your ship a glass cannon or make your thing just, 
you know, this rolling fucking tank that, you know, maybe only has the one gun, but, but has massive health. You know, however, like, there's just, there are opportunities there. Like, obviously, I don't have them all fleshed out in my head. I'm, I'm just babbling off the top of my head. But but they have opportunity to make the game more interesting and more engaging. Hell, shit like the the away teams. If we could have instead, like maybe your officers had two things for them, and then you could elect to train them in whatever for for their third away team ability to make your own custom away teams for for doing those missions, things like that. Like there there were opportunities that that they could have jumped on. To, to make it more engaging for you by giving you different things that you can do and ways that you can do these things differently from, from the next person that, that more suits your style. Yeah. I, I don't, I just, they could also even do simple things like let you actually control your, your ships as a fleet, like aren't, aren't little and would require a lot of work and coding, but, but would actually make their game interesting and dynamic or more dynamic than it is. You know, and and allow your your to do stuff like instead of of having to mine to do your mining daily, let you do things like go and and raid either hostels or whatever, and have that go towards it as well. Like, you know, pl- play the game in, in the way you want to play it, or let it count if you raid it from another player. Like, if you crack a base and and pull a bunch of shit out which again they should also let you take materials but but let that count towards your mining instead like you know one uncommon g4 rare is equivalent to mining you know a hundred of the ore or just some shit like that it's just whatever but but give you opportunities to play the game in a different way that that better suits your style and also customize it a little bit to, to suit your style too and people would be massively more engaged in that I feel. I agree, and it would be a great thing if we could take materials somehow. There's the Alliance Starbase bases they're working on. You know, pull together a certain percentage of uh, materials from everybody in Alliance and make that rateable. But they know materials is the main bottleneck in the entire game, and that's their cash cow, so they probably won't. So I, I don't think they'll make materials easy for free, but but if they let you take it from another player, like fundamentally, whether or not I spent dollars to buy it or they spent dollars to buy it and then I stole it from them, like it's still it was still purchased. They still made money for for those materials. Like just just put them, make it rateable, put it in the game, let people steal the shit from one another. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's gonna fly. Like I said, I mean, you get you get somebody that spent. You get somebody that's that concerned that they're gonna lose the you know the bread and butter. They're not gonna be spending money, man. You know, I can tell you, I for one, um, and I'm I I freaking rarely get raided. I for one definitely wouldn't spend any fucking money. I mean, you know, I'm a small sample size, of course, so I don't speak for everyone, but. I know I'm not alone. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, oh, yeah, no, no, we're not doing that. Now everything, because now, you know, it's too real. You can get some RSS taken. That's one thing. But now you start to get the whole reason why I'm clicking the, the authorized spend button. Now, you know, I lose all that. That's not going to, they're not going to do that. 
it wouldn't bother me. Like I, I shield, or if I don't, that's my fuck up. But like I, yeah, but you're. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm what? You're in the minority. If you can get your mats rated, then you would you would see an almost immediate amount of spend like go to zero. I think you'd see the same amount of spending more PvP. And like if you get raided, like this is what I'm talking about with with engagement. And maybe I'm wrong, but but in my mind, what I would see is okay. You know, you got raided and lost a thousand of, of your ore instead of like today where you don't do shit for or that sort of like instead now i'm going oh i need to get this back and i'm looking for somebody else to hit and it, you know as people are starting to look and actually you know looking for bases in earnest because right now what you get from a base like the the rss that you get is useful but you don't really need that that par steel and titanium and dilithium in a lot of cases like it, it's nice but people don't hunt bases in earnest the way that they they may have at the beginning of the game. And I think if you could get those those resources, then you would, and and people would just go after each other more. And, and I, like, I, I don't know. Like you said, you're probably you're probably right. I guess people would probably just close the walls. But but in my mind, I envisioned it as as people would be like, oh shit, you know, they just took two hundred of my my stuff, I got to go hit somebody else. And so people are on more, they're engaged, they're either hunting to replace, hunting to try to, to you know, spend less actual cash, or they're, I don't know. I got nothing. I think, I think the game was more fun and more engaging when there were no shields and the, the stakes weren't as high. So like, somebody that had a million tritanium, that was a lot. And then you could regenerate that million tritanium if you just took a while to click those buttons on your uh, on your generators. But now with the stakes being really high, like absolutely high, then the amount that people spend for PvP is not worth it because there's not enough engaging content in PvP. Like there is no like for personal you know, dick swinging, there's no advantage to PvP in the game. There's really none. But they could fix that. That, that That's part of my point. Like, PvP... Yeah, but that, that's... You're, you're wishful thinking there. They're not going to because most people that play the game aren't PvP-oriented. They're just not. You know, most people are PvE-oriented. I think most people are PVE oriented because they haven't really experienced the PVP in depth because it can be fun. But but I mean also they don't have to be. Like I I'm not saying that PVP like make it and end all but but you could again like I was saying things like okay you're mining daily. Make it where you could you can PVP for it instead of mining it. Like don't I'm not talking about a net change in, in what you can accrue per day or stuff like that. You know, no, not not something where someone who's super active can game the system and just get a whole fuck ton more resources by, uh, you know, PvP and other ships they find that than than someone else. But like, make make it a little more optional in how you do some of these things so that you can some people that want to PvP can do it. 
uh, instead of having it where it is right now, basically worthless, except for saying, you know, ha ha, look at me on the, the power destroyer board or just ha ha, I blew up your ship. Like, I just, I feel like they could make those changes to make it a little more dynamic without changing anything fundamentally in terms of the game balance of, of how you accrue resources and, and things of that nature. Um, because, yeah, otherwise the game is so stagnant, especially like, you know, and sure it's whale problems, but uh, going back to, okay, yeah, to, to do all this tiering on my Sanctus would cost, you know, as much as you could get kind of a a nearly new car or, or a nice down payment on a new car or whatever, you know, we're talking over 10 grand. Uh, but there's not much else for me to do either because they, they, they haven't like, they, they added the new, new levels too quick. I felt with, with the, the 50 to 60 or 51 to 60, and they didn't really focus on any sort of gameplay mechanics. So, okay. It's super expensive to level each individual building or tear up my ship or stuff like that. But also, what else do I have to do? Like the dailies are meh, and, and other like. So I still feel like they should have focused on more interesting gameplay and games, you know, stylistic stuff. Like let us let us do our dailies in different ways. Let us do things like ch- train and retrain our officers and stuff to change their stats around a little bit to try new things. Let us swap out some weaponry on our ship or even adjust you know armor versus dodge and so i i don't know but adds engaging things that that gives us something to do during the long slog in in between leveling up these different items because i feel like a lot of people even in the 40s like people on my server that are in their 40s uh level 40s it means that they they weren't huge spenders so they're instead trying to accrue this stuff the old-fashioned way, but but it's just as hard for them. Like, when they're not spending, it means it takes a long time in between doing stuff like, okay, I'm going to get my my PLM now, or or I'm going to I'm gonna finally go from Ops 44 to 45 or, or shit like that. And so it just... They, they, they have to focus on making something with the game more interesting than just this basic... Okay, do your your same old dailies where you blow up X number of hostels and farm X number of stuff, and that's it. Let 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 you know uh, player ships marked as enemy count as hostels, or or let us uh, again like you know let PvP in some way count towards mining, or or do the reverse. Like, well, I don't know how that reverse would work, but I, I don't know. Again, I just I feel like fundamentally there are things they could do. I I obviously don't have all the answers or even perfect answers, but there are ideas and things there that they that could be implemented that would make it a little more interesting and engaging. Because shit like oh, if I have to do my mining daily, like I click the button to send my ship to a thing and and set it on a node, and that that's like twenty seconds of engagement in the game. That's not actually playing. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I think they could push PvP more. I think some people would actually enjoy it. And those that didn't want a PvP, like again, don't make it punitive. That so that way they can just avoid it if if it's not for them. Uh, but but give PvP a meaningful option for those that do enjoy it. And I think that it would actually slowly drag more people into it. 
I, I just do. I, I've known so many people that didn't like PvP until they started it, and then they, they started enjoying it. Yeah, one of our guys was talking about that just recently, that a war we had uh, recently, he wasn't much of a PvPer before that, but that pushed him over the edge, and now he's he's the most notorious player in our alliance. But uh, I also had an idea a while back that, um, I mean, everybody I've talked to uh, shoots it down realistically, but it could, because of Scopely being Scopely, I mean, it could change the face of how we do things and engagement in the game. I mean, and it's just simple, you know, some kind of player marketplace. You know, you trade stuff, whatever. And here's here's the catch, though. There's trade routes. So your goods are physically sent out and those ships can be pirated. Yeah, that, that, I think that would be cool. Like, oh, I just I, I think there are things that, that they could do. Like, there are creative things that they could do to make the game more than just fucking kill X number of these three types of hostiles and mine X amount of these couple of resources. Uh, which is really all it is right now. And I mean, they even tried kind of with the away teams thing, but they, they made those missions so static and gave you no real ability to to kind of like make unique away team groups and stuff like you know you need these certain traits etc like i i don't know it they have opportunity they, they really do there are things that they could do to vastly improve a lot of these different uh, pieces of the game and i just think that either they don't want to put the effort into it or it hasn't been a priority because what do they care up until now, we've been spending money hand over fist, and you know potentially people still are. It, it doesn't look like it to me, but you know who who knows? Some of these other servers, maybe they're still throwing money at the game. All right, anybody got any uh, anything else? Yeah, I'm curious uh, what y'all think about the uh, rewards for the ticketed events. Yeah. Meh. Yeah, it did seem kind of crap to me. I'm not personally excited about it in this arc. Were they better before? At times, I feel like they were slightly better, but but also, they give you at least enough for, for one ticketed thing a day. And so as far as that goes, then, oh, okay, it's just most of the time, the ticketed event, whatever it is, is additive to something that I already have to do. So it's... It, feels almost like a bonus but would i ever would i spend money on one of the the ticket packs or whatever so that you can do multiple ticketed events per day no you, you get more return on investment from just buying an actual pack you get slightly more for the ticketed events it i mean you should get more if you're putting in all that work to do an event instead of just literally buying something yeah, but I mean, I look at the ticket events and like... I mean, you get 380 tickets, and of course, that's kind of like a, a pass where you're buying something that's going to take a long time to pay out, or like buying the, the monthly thing. Yeah, but I mean, so so my looking at one of the ticket events, so like if I did the combat training for Eclipse, if I added that on, I would get another 
200, 300, so 400 million dilithium. Now, 400 million, you could do that 38 times. So it's, you know, whatever that is, 400 times is four times 38. It ain't all that much. It's, it, yeah. So, like, I, you would basically get 15 billion, 200 million dilithium if that's what I used it on. But but that would be all that because the ticket thing doesn't give me, you know, a whole lot else. Like, yeah, looking at this, as far as the gas and stuff like that, uh, sorry, actually, it would be double that. So it would be about 30 million because they give you the tokens as well. But if I look at my my uh, research pack, it, it gives me more. It gives me more, like, multiplying the 38 out of what I would get versus my, you know, just a $99 uh, research pack, the tickets aren't aren't worth as much. Um, I haven't done it for the Tritanium one yet, There's, but, but I imagine even if it is worth more, it's not going to be significantly more. So, yeah. Anybody, anybody have any other thoughts? No, that's about it. I don't think anybody's excited about this stuff. I could talk shit about a bunch of other alliances that piss me off, but do it. The 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 more war there is, the more people come to hear. <laughs> but also, it is about two hours, so we could also wrap it up and talk shit next week, or I don't. Up to up to you guys. Yeah, no, we need to wrap the episode up. Besides, I was thinking about doing a separate episode for that kind of stuff, anyways. Yeah, that'd be cool. Make Trek talk about Trek and the game talk about game. How many alliances are you pissed off with, Andy? Who do you think? <laughs> are the usual suspects? Yeah, you know. Oh, well, that and my, certain things in my own alliance that I'm not going to talk about, but the point is, is it's just this game. Like, I caught myself last night getting really fucking angry. And then this morning I wake up and I'm thinking about how angry I was. And I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Like, why the fuck am I angry about this stupid shit? So, you know, just taking this dumb game way too seriously. Yeah, I hear that. So something we could consider doing could actually be because, like, you know, sometimes we have a lot of S45 stuff we talk about, or sometimes it's S34 drama. We could actually start to do just like short or shorter episodes of like specific server drama. And then that way, maybe we can encourage other like guest hosts to come on and, and literally just talk about their server drama, kind of similar to how you guys used to, to pull people on here before, but but let it be a little more open for them or something. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Just random. I mean, it'd be fun. Uh, really, really, truly, it's nice for people to be able to vent. Yeah. They feel better after. So it's therapeutic. Some people might get pissed off about hearing the vent, but at least for the people venting, it helps to talk about it, get some outside perspective. Well, and, and they they can come back and vent. I, I see daily, daily, there's... Thousands of people playing this game that are getting angry as fuck. We all know you're getting angry. We all see it. So talk about it. Don't act like it didn't happen. Because we all see it. 
And you're not special. It happens to everybody. Everybody gets mad at this game or people in it more often than not. Yeah, man. Tech man. He pisses me off with his gameplay so much. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, what, what really pisses me off is when he doesn't shield. <laughs> and uh, I just feel the uncontrollable rage inside, and I need to force raid him until he shields. Hey, who is this that you got to force raid? I'm joking. I'm saying you. Oh, me, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, feel free. I'm talking about a particular bad actors that I spent hours talking to last night and explained in painful detail how force rating is not very nice, and finally he agreed. Um, and yet, you know, I also asked him if he could chill, and he brought up some things that he didn't like and was upset about. And I told him a suit on those. Anyway, long story short, he went out raiding a couple hours later. And, uh, you know, a, high, a very high-level player busting up, you know, low-level players with, you know, 50 mil worth of dilithium, or not dilithium, uh, car steel and shit like that, I just don't understand. Even if it's like, or I'm sorry, like 50 billion or something. But for a level, like you're in your mid-upper 50s, like, what are you doing? Like, I get it. Some people just enjoy raiding, but. I had a guy hit my base. Um, he was level 46. Um, I can't remember how much I had in my base. Maybe like 100 million just total overall. And he was hitting my base. And I just, uh, anytime he would um, try to use his amalgam or any kind of miners, I just repair and blow him up. So he just. He just quit using his miners and started using his uh, his Kelvin and his. It's just when somebody does that, they're just. It's like kicking somebody while they're on the ground, and telling them, "Say I'm your bitch, and I'll stop kicking you." And they refuse. They say, no, I'm not going to say that shit. Fuck you. And so they kept kicking you while you're on the ground. That may be an extreme example, but that's the way, that's the picture that pops in my head when I see some super high-level player hitting a small player that has no resources to speak of. It'd be totally different if it was something that could actually help somebody, but rating is so broken in this game that... I mean, really high-level players really should only be rating high-level players where um, people around the same level, maybe minus five levels or something. But you go lower than that, and these people just typically, there's always exceptions to the rule, but typically don't have enough resources to make it worth spending hours of your evening rating somebody for every nickel they have when it's like something that won't even repair the ships you used to fight off the people that showed up to defend. Literally any ship you have, you pick the small, your fucking Rialta can probably take out most of their ships. Like, give me a break. <laughs> you could take a Saladin and probably take out their entire fleet. I use my Saladin to, to pop 
enterprises still, which is kind of fun. But 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 they at least do damage back, and so like they don't feel like oh they just got because it is true bug on the windshield when I if I hit anything with my Sanctus that's a G three, which is like someone at level thirty eight is really not running around in a G four. They don't even get a shot off; they just die. Yeah, exactly. It, it's so dumb. It's these ships shouldn't be allowed to hit G threes. They just shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that the it, they need to tighten the level band or make it a power band instead. Or... Like in TC, of course, you should be able to hit everybody because every ship is scoring points. But other than that, well, think about it this way. It's also interesting that the amount of research that you have at a higher level makes building one of those G three ships. So easy compared to when you were at you know in the in the thirties or in the twenties. Yeah, I think it cost me. I built a D three to scrap it yesterday, and it cost me like four K uncommon crystal to max it out, and like a little bit of gas or something. It was like nothing. Right, and then when you're at level whatever twenty six, when you get that ship. It costs you an arm and a leg. It's like twelve. It's twelve. It's twelve x what what you would pay for it at your level. And yeah, very strange because it's the same ship. I mean, real world speaking, I mean, it'll be easier to build a ship if you're a bigger corporation with more money. But it still still takes the same amount of man hours to build the same ship, whether it's one person doing it or twenty five. Well, just the cost difference. It, it would be kind of like if me at forty, if, if I went in and bought a car and it was like five hundred bucks, and then my my daughter's turning sixteen, went to buy the same car, and they were like, "Okay, that'll be twelve grand." Like, well, that's why I tell everybody: if you have the resources to level up, level up. Yeah, because camping is stupid. Yeah, ca- camping is really not worth it. But but. They could with the PvP. They really could. So, like, they could look at it as okay. If you're more than like three levels above or below, we're gonna power band it, where you have to be within like twenty percent of their power, or your ship can't. So, like that way, if my Saladin at three million, I couldn't even hit a ship that was like a a, a two million power D three, but it wouldn't let me hit it. Something like that. Like, make it tight tighter. Twenty percent is probably a, a little too close, but. I, I do get your point. Yeah, just, just some sort of or something to make it so that, okay, now we can talk about competitive PvP, regardless, kind of, like, they don't have to feel like they're just being slapped around and can do nothing. But I can argue it the other direction, too, is now you have people that will game the system and go, ha, 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 you guys can't do nothing, and I can sit here and rage your teammates and you don't have anything that can do anything well well a i would say territory has to be the same but b actually i'm looking at it as the opposite because today right now if like a 35 is rating a level 37 in my alliance i can do nothing whereas in, in my version that 35 even though he's super low i could at least throw together a vaclis real quick put it near his and then start hitting his ships to interfere which, because one of my main frustrations, too, has always been this idea of, I'm so big that I simply cannot touch you. That's a little weird. I, it's better if they just put in uh, kind of guidelines to make it competitive. 
I'd be totally into that. Like make it so that if I if I'm hitting someone that low, okay, I have to hit them with something of similar power. So so that way it's not even. However, your your answers and your research is so good that even if your power is matched, you will obliterate them every day of the week, even if you 20% under their power. Yeah, uh, so so they, they do equate some of the officer, uh, like your officer levels and, and their strength and stuff, like all, and, and your research applies to power as well, but you're right, it's not good enough. But if they sp spent some time... The way they've done the research in this game and the way it shows on your ship power, it would break the game if they did that at this point. They would have to rewrite everything to show ship power accurately based on your research and officers that are on the ship, etc. Right, they, but they wouldn't have to rewrite the whole game, but they'd have to rewrite how it calculates the power. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like it, For them to make it so that then we could PvP more competitively across the board. I think it's an excellent idea. Yeah, I think it's a worthwhile investment, but, uh, you know. Totally, but they'll never do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It could be done and would be awesome. They'll never do it. Anyways, we're at two hours. We should probably go to after party. Close this out, Tech. All righty. Well. Everyone, thanks for listening. It's been fun. Poor coercion. Madam Stargazer, always thankful for your input. And Stratalorian down there. Appreciate you taking the time to come up here and talk a little trek with us. Uh, please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, do all the social things. Uh, do all the things social media asks you to do. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm Techman16. And I'm Chopped Liver. And... I'm not chopped liver. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> and everybody's favorite food is liver and onions. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks again. <laughs>